Hello and welcome to the Battle Cry podcast with Mark Mecklen. Catch the original live broadcast Sunday nights at 8pm Eastern. Go to conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. And now, here's the Battle Cry with Mark Mecklen. Okay. Hey everyone, Mark Meckler here with your Sunday Night Battle Cry. I hope you were anticipating it as much as I was. We were off last week for Mother's Day. We spent a great Mother's Day with the family, with my mom here, with uh, Patty, obviously the mother of my family here. The kids were here. Jacob flew in as a special surprise to his mom. It was a great Mother's Day weekend, and we stretched it out over the whole weekend, not just Sunday, but we did Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we had a great time with the family, so that's why I wasn't here Actually, I kind of hope you weren't here, too. I hope you were honoring your mom or the moms in your life. That's what we do on Mother's Day. That's what it's all about. So we are here. We've got an action-packed week. By the way, I always get asked about this shirt and where you get it. Go to conventionofstates.com forward slash store. Lots of great swag there. I think there's a big giveaway going on. A couple of T-shirts we're closing out. If you buy something, you get another T-shirt for free. Convention of States forward slash convention of states.com forward slash store. I know producer G has it on the screen. Go there, get your swag today. And part of having your swag is about having the right narrative. And this is really important. So faith over fear, that's a narrative, right? Don't be afraid, have faith, right? I, I get people all the time, they're, they're so afraid and they're, oh, we're losing the nation. It's going to be, if this thing happens, it's all over. And there are important issues, and I agree, and oftentimes the things that they're bringing up are serious, but I am not afraid. Don't be afraid. You know, what we have to do is be full of faith, be full of courage, be ready to fight. That's what we're all about as Americans, generally speaking, having faith over fear, going into battle, knowing that God's on our side and that we're going to ultimately be victorious. We know the end of the story, right? We're going to be victorious. And so faith over fear is really important. But one of the things that's most important is to have your narrative correct. By narrative, what I mean is sometimes it's more important how you talk about things than what you talk about. And in fact, that's very often true. You can have fantastic ideas. You can have the right philosophy. You can have the right ideology. But if you don't know how to discuss things in a compelling way, if your narrative is wrong, then you're going to lose. And so knowing how to talk about stuff is really important. And I'm going to run through a bunch of examples on what I think are some of the major issues of the day that people are concerned about. We're moving into elections. As we go into the 2022 election cycle, there's a bunch of primaries going on right now. And pretty quickly, before you know it, it's going to be the fall. It's going to be November, and we're going to be in the election. So you're going to be out there. You're going to want to influence the people in your circle to make sure that they vote the way that you believe. I'm not telling you how to vote. I'm saying you should be influential in your own circle. And so what you need to do is know how to craft narrative. And by that, I mean, know how to speak about things in a way that's persuasive and also a way that's not off-putting. And so I'm going to run through a bunch of narratives and I'm going to tell you like good and bad narratives around a bunch of different issues that are the issues of the day. I'm pulling down some notes here. So forgive me for going through notes, but we got a lot to cover. I want to make sure I get to all of it. So the hot issue of the day today right now is abortion. I'm really excited about this because I, I'm just, I'm almost, I think it's a miracle that I'm seeing in my lifetime, the Supreme Court looks like they're going to reverse Roe versus Wade. I want to remind everybody there was a leak. It was a first draft opinion that could change. So lots of prayer required, lots of hope required, not protesting in front of justices houses, which polling shows most people don't like that. 
but it looks like we're going to get an overturn of Roe versus Wade. So if you're talking to people around, around the country about this, there's a couple of things you need to know about narrative. The very first thing is, you know, like, I think, and I'm going to say it to you guys point blank, I think abortion is baby killing. It's baby murder. I think it's horrific. I think it's evil. I think it's vile. I think it's immoral. I think it's ungodly. I'm, I'm just straight up with you. That's where I think abortion is. And I think it, for me, from my perspective as an absolutely strident pro-life person, doesn't matter when you do it. It's still the taking of a human life. However, if you're talking to people who are not necessarily people of faith, who don't share your views on it, and you're looking to be persuasive, what I just said that's not the best argument. That's going to make somebody feel defensive. It's going to make somebody want to kind of put their shoulders back and puff their chest out and fight you on it. And so the narrative matters. And this is what I would say. Today, the Democrat Party's official position is abortion until birth. In other words, at eight months and everything, but the minutes before birth, you can kill that baby. You could take that life. Are you in support of that? That's what I would ask somebody. Is that something that you support? And and I will tell you, and our polls show us that literally at least 82% of the American public says, no, I, of course I'm not in support of that. And frankly, my experience is if you talk to people, even people who consider themselves pro-choice, they will say, no, that's disgusting. That's horrible. I don't think that's appropriate. Well, that's the position of the president. That's the position of the vice president. That's the official position of the Democrat party today. And so you got to think about if you don't support that, if you think that's horrible and vile, who are you going to vote for? Who are you going to support? People who support that or people who don't support that? I want to give you a little bit of nuance on all of these things. And this is really important. By the way, I learned this from my son. We can learn a lot from people who are younger than us. I think he's pretty smart, but he taught me this from talking to a bunch of liberal friends at his law school. He does not say to Democrats, so you should be a Republican because they're not going to want to do that, most Democrats. They're not going to like that. They're not going to be receptive to that. Some are going to switch party affiliation, but the vast majority aren't. What he says is, you should vote for the most reasonable Democrat in the primary. And in the general election, if that person didn't win, you should vote temporarily for the Republican. Because you don't believe that we should kill babies up until the moment of birth. But the Democrats do believe that. And I don't think you want to vote for people to do that. So Vote Republican in the general election. And then when the Democrats start to move back to a position that you can support, then switch back and continue to be a Democrat. So I think that's a good approach on any of these issues. But on abortion, do you support abortion up until the moment of birth? Because we know by polling, the vast majority of Americans think that's vile and disgusting and horrible and immoral. The Democrats are destroying themselves on this issue. It's absolutely incredible. I've got a bunch of polling here. Uh, that looks like a bunch of detail. It is. These are called cross tabs. We do polling on these issues all the time. This is how I know uh, what percentage of Americans think we should overturn Roe versus Wade. By the way, the majority do not want Roe versus Wade overturned. So don't have that debate with people. They don't want it overturned because they don't know what it means. They believe that it will mean that abortion is illegal all across America. They don't have any idea it means it just goes back to the states in all the blue states, it'll still be legal. In some of the red states, it'll be legal with restrictions. And in some states, it will become illegal. They don't understand that. So don't ask them, well, don't you want Roe versus Wade overturned? Because you're going to lose on that one. Because most people don't want it overturned. By the way, the majority of Americans, absolutely huge majority against overturn, uh, sorry, against abortion in the third trimester 
it's pretty close to 50-50 in the second trimester. And in the first trimester, a majority of people think that it's okay. Now, again, I want to clarify, I don't believe that. I think it should always be illegal. And I think ultimately over time in this country, we're going to get to that. The narrative will change on another call. I mean, another battle cry, maybe we'll talk about how to change the narrative around midterm and early abortion. But right now, just know your winning fight is, do you believe in abortion until the moment of birth? I got to tell you that Democrats are so lost on this. Hispanics are considered a Democratic constituency. That's quickly shifting. 93% of Hispanics say, zero chance that abortion should be legal until birth. 93%. That's the largest category. It's 90%, roughly uh, 89.4% of whites. It's 79.5% of blacks. Uh, It is, uh, let's see, what would that be? 84% of Hispanics. So the huge majority of Americans say no to abortion up until the moment of birth. That probably doesn't surprise you, but it's important to understand that's not the Democrats' official position. So you're question you ask people is, do you believe in abortion until the moment of birth? Okay, on the border, this is the way you narrate the border. It's not, hey, I don't want all these illegal immigrants coming across and flooding our country. It's this, do you support sex trafficking, narco trafficking, drug trafficking, and the Mexican cartels? Because the border's wide open to this, and we have women being raped, we have young children being trafficked, we have drugs flowing across our border, we have an opiate epidemic because of that, the Mexican cartels are building armies along our border. Are you in support of all that stuff, or are you in support of reasonable border control? See, because the polling again shows that the people are not in support of a wide open border. So that's how you ask the question. That's the right narrative on the border. On critical race theory, the right narrative on critical race theory is: Do you support small children being taught the sex, uh, being taught that they're racist and either they're victims or oppressors based on the color of their skin? By the way. Nobody supports that. The radical left fringe supports that. Democrats, by and large, do not support that. Do you support small children being taught they're racist and either victims or oppressors based on the color of their skin? That's a winning narrative. Okay, so narrative matters. How you speak about something matters. Sex in schools. You know, this is very controversial right now. They're teaching all this craziness. So the way you narrate that is, do you support the sexualization of six-year-olds through the teaching of radical gender ideologies? Because you know what most people say? No, hell no, I don't support that. I will tell you, left Democrats don't support you teaching their six-year-olds about sex. Only perverts think you should do that. Only people who are grooming children in sexual ideologies think you should do that. So that's the right narrative. Do you support the sexualization of six-year-olds through the teaching of radical gender ideologies? Almost everybody will answer no. That's what the Democrats support. Censorship. Are you in favor of speech codes which prevent people from expressing their opinions? I can tell you most Americans, by the polling, they're not in favor of that. They don't like that. They find that offensive. Americans, generally speaking, except for the fringe, believe that Americans should be free to speak their minds and they should be free to argue. Americans are a free speech culture. We're starting to lose that on the fringe left. But so you just ask, are you in favor of speech codes that prevent people from expressing their opinions? Are you in favor of people losing their jobs if they say the wrong thing? Are you in favor of people being excluded from society, being removed from social media platforms if they say things you disagree with? Most people, certainly people on the right, 
but definitely a lot of people, the majority of people on the left will say, no, I'm not in favor of those kinds of punishments if people say things I don't like. Again, narrative matters. How we talk about it matters. If you say to somebody, well, you scumbags want to silence everybody, you're not going to convince anybody. And the point of engaging with people and having these discussions with people is not to win the debate. See, there's a difference between debating and having a discussion. In a debate, your goal is destroy your opponent. If you're on air and that's what's going on, like I get to do sometimes, or if you're on a stage and you're having that kind of a discussion and you need to wipe out your opponent, by all means, wipe out your opponent. But what you want to do when you're sitting with people after church or you're hanging out with your family, having dinner, and you're having these discussions, what you want to do is cause people to think, cause them to come to their own conclusions, which are the right conclusions by asking questions. That's why you'll notice my narrative here on every issue is a question. It's not I'm telling them what to think. I'm not trying to bludgeon them. I'm asking them a question. Pretty sure I know the answer to the question. That's good narrative building. All right, on inflation, the question is, you or anyone you know getting hurt by inflation? Are you good with $4? By the way, gasoline now average up over $4.20 a gallon across the country, highest in history. Are, are you in favor of policies that lead to that? Are you being hurt by inflation? Isn't your family being hurt by inflation? Aren't poor people being hurt the most by inflation? And so that's the right narrative around inflation. Uh, there's a baby formula shortage going on. Like, this is really incredible. In the United States of America, no, this is not Russia. This is not the Soviet Union. This is not the Eastern Bloc during the Cold War. People are fighting over baby formula. The most fragile among us, the most vulnerable among us struggling for food. And this is an extraordinary thing. What's going on? The Biden administration's FDA shut down one of the largest baby, baby formula plants in the country. That was three months ago and it's still shut down. And I would ask somebody, what's the Biden administration doing to fix this? They shut down the plant. That's not the only thing. There are supply chain problems. What are they doing to fix that? What's Pete Buttigieg doing to fix that? Like, why are we still having a supply chain crisis here, you know, two years, quote, into the pandemic, right? Pandemic's over, still a supply chain crisis. What's going on? Right? Are you in favor of the policies that lead to this? Do you think the FDA should keep this plant shut down when babies are struggling to get formula? Ask the question. That's the right narrative. And speaking of the president on the president himself, I would ask, do you believe Joe Biden is mentally competent? Have you been watching his press conferences? If they say yes, I'd be like, really? Would you mind if I show you some video clips of him at his press conferences? It's not a partisan thing. I think Joe Biden has dementia. And you should look, because you shouldn't support that. And, you know, maybe that means Kamala Harris needs to be president now. Now, again, I want to be really clear with you. I'm not in favor of Kamala being president. I think a Harris presidency, I, could it be a worse disaster? I'm not sure. It's, it's hard to say. Would it be worse? Would it be better? But at least we would have somebody who is not in mid-stage dementia in the presidency, because that's horrifying. All right, Afghanistan, I would ask, are you proud of our retreat from and our collapse in Afghanistan that cost the lives of 13 Americans, left millions of women in bondage? Is causing millions of people to starve in Afghanistan now? Because that's what's happening. And the answer is we know absolutely from polling, this is when Joe Biden's poll numbers began to crater. 
shouldn't let people forget about that. 13 American service people died in the blast at the gate there in Kabul because of the way Joe Biden handled that. His military advisors advised against it. His civilian advisors advised against it. But he did that. He chose to do that. He cost those 13 lives. He cost us to flee Afghanistan in panic, leaving over $80 billion of military equipment behind. Are you proud of that? Do you feel good about that? Does that make you feel more secure? That's the right narrative, not Joe Biden's an idiot. It just doesn't work, right? And so I want you to talk about things in a way that work. Narrative matters. How about the stock market? Do you have a retirement fund? How's it doing? And the economic policies of the president, he's almost two years into his presidency. It's obviously his economic policies now. It's his economy now. How's your stock portfolio doing if you're somebody who has your retirement funds in the stock market? Is, do you want more of this? Is this what you want? That's how I ask the question, right? It's not Joe Biden's an idiot and he's killing your stock portfolio. That's going to cause people to be defensive. And so you just ask a question. Um, let's see. I think I did this one already. If President Biden were deemed mentally incompetent or dying off, he's comfortable with Vice President Harris taking over. You know what the polling shows? She's less popular than Joe Biden. Ask questions to which you know how the majority of people will answer. Don't argue with them when they answer. Just hear them out. Ask more questions, right? You're, and you're not looking to win an argument. You're looking to cause people to think. I think that's the most important thing to remember. Causing people to think is what you're trying to do. All right, so that's narrative. Remember, how you speak about things matters as much as what you're speaking about because the goal is not win the argument. The goal is change minds and hearts, hearts and minds, right? And faith over fear. Mark Meckler is fighting every day to call the first ever Article 5 Convention of States to drain the swamp once and for all. Join Mark and millions of other Americans by signing the official petition at conventionofstates.com slash pod. And now back to the show. All right, COS update. Uh, look, things have quieted down a bit on the COS front because we've been through most of our legislative sessions. We've passed four states this year. Big congratulations to those states, Wisconsin, Nebraska, West Virginia, South Carolina, North Carolina in the gate right now. House has already passed. Senate's in the docket. Got to get the Senate done. we got a few recalcitrant senators. If you're in North Carolina, you know what's going on. Keep pushing. Pennsylvania looking good. I'm really pleased in Pennsylvania where we're postured. Ohio, I'm going there next week for a committee hearing. And so I'm pretty excited about that. Things look really good. That was specifically called, I was specifically requested to go there by Senate President Matt Huffman, a big Article 5 supporter. So it looks like we're on the move in Ohio. That could be state number 20, or maybe North Carolina state number 20. I don't know which, but one of them is going to have the honor of being state number 20. I'm very excited about that. So a lot of progress on the COS front. Uh, and then finally, my favorite part, Let's go to Q&A. Producer G, I know folks have submitted some questions by email to you, so why don't you lay them on me? Let's see what our questions are. All right, first question uh, is from Sharon in Texas. Mark, have you seen the 2000 Mules movie and what do you think about it? So yes, I did see the movie uh, and here's what I think about it. First of all, gotta say, love Catherine Engelbrecht and True the Vote. She's a friend of mine. I've known her since the beginning of the Tea Party movement. Absolute warrior. She's taken as many slings and arrows as anybody I know in the movement. She's literally just a true blue grassroots warrior. She does it for all the right reasons. Uh, and so I like the movie. I thought it was a good movie. What the movie shows is all this activity 
that I think is illegal activity, suspect activity. It shows people by data. They went through the data, tracking cell phone movement, showing people going to and from Democrat organizations and a bunch of ballot drop boxes all over. Uh, and it shows, from my perspective, pretty convincing evidence that people were engaged in illegal ballot harvesting activity. What it doesn't show, and this is important, the distinction between what it shows and what it doesn't show, is it doesn't show that there were actual votes that changed the outcome of the election. We don't know that in this case, right? So I want to be really clear, and I think Catherine's really clear and the movie's really clear on that. They, they're saying certain things and they're not saying certain other things. I think the movie's very well made. D'Souza makes quality movies. He knows what he's doing. Catherine's data was impeccable, in my opinion, in this regard. The Even if you read, read the fact checks on it, because what I find is the fact checks support the movie. So I'm, I'm a big fan of the movie. I'm a big supporter. Remember, always don't go further than the movie goes. Don't go further than the actual facts will take you. Next is Dave in Nebraska. Is there any way for people with nefarious intent to hijack a convention of states and cause damage? And the answer is, nope, can't do it. First of all, remember, when we go to convention, there'll be... be likely 34 states that are Republican states with both houses controlled by Republicans. That'll be the dominant force at convention. Number two, remember that a convention is only a suggesting convention. That means all it can do is make suggestions when 26 states agree. It still takes 38 states to ratify. So the idea of a runaway convention is a fallacy. It was created by the radical left. Unfortunately, there are some useful idiots on the right who have adopted this position and they now stand in the camp or lay in bed with George Soros, Hillary Clinton, Howard Dean, MoveOn.org, uh, all these really bad Planned Parenthood, La Raza, bad baby-killing, America-hating organizations. If you're listening to the John Birch Society, if you're listening to Eagle Forum on this issue, you're in bed with all the bad guys. Not that those organizations are the bad guys, but on this issue, they're in bed with the bad guys. Uh, next is Lloyd Falls. He wants to know who's going to enforce what the Convention of States decides. Lloyd, that becomes part of the Constitution, so it's enforced, as always, uh, by making sure that the federal government doesn't do things that are unconstitutional. That's litigation after these things are in place. So you know, we have a history on this, and when amendments are passed and when they're, when they're proposed and ratified, it takes about 100 years for the country to start drifting away from those amendments. And the reason for that is it takes three-quarters of states to ratify that's a pretty solid, an extremely solid majority of the American public. Those things tend to stick. Uh, let's see. Finally, last question, Tom Walters. Which state is the next state to vote on Convention of States? I already said that. I think it's going to be a race between North Carolina and Ohio. So you guys, uh, you know, get your running shoes on. Get ready for the race in North Carolina and Ohio. One of you is going to be number 20. That's all we got for the Battle Cry this week. God bless you guys. I love you. Uh, if you want to uh, send a video question in, we didn't have a solid video question this week that there was one, I apologize, I just didn't really understand it that well. But if you wanna send a video question in, Producer G can throw that up on the screen. If you wanna email your question in, Producer G will throw that up on the screen as well. God bless you guys, love you, and we'll see you next week on The Battle Cry. This has been the podcast version of The Battle Cry with Convention of States Action President Mark Meckler. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod and become part of the solution that's as big as the problem. Thank you for listening.